the music. Cut the music. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Throw the Podcast, brought to you by the guys over at ThrowTheAxe.com. I'm Ben Conrad, along with my co-host, Jay Gunner. He is the brains behind this podcast. He is the constable of craft beer, and he is live from I-75. Say hello to the IWCJ, and please tell me you've moved on from that donut-infused Ohio stout See, now, now, you had last week. Now, Ben, you like to make fun of it, but when we were on Twitter after we launched our, our, our first podcast, my beer was the most talked about portion of the entire thing. So, so you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to make this an every episode thing. I'm going to bring you a new beer. We're going to talk about it. You know what? I tried the donut beer the day after. Not bad. Um, I'm a Michigan guy. It's made in Ohio. Definitely wasn't made with with Flint water. I'll tell you that much. And, and see, and for you, I changed it up today. I, I I brought it back home. Okay, so so today we're going with it's from Tapestry. Uh, it's Grand Rapids area. It's about a, an hour away from Lake Michigan itself. Um, this one is called Heartful and Napalm. It is a double IPA, which for for those of you that aren't beer drinkers, anytime there's a double in front of something, that just basically means double the alcohol. All right. Double and napalm. Sounds great. I hope you make it to the end of this podcast. Anyway, let's get ready to kick this thing off. But first, if you're a first time listener, where the hell were you last week is what I want to know. But that's okay. You're here now. You're ready to redeem yourself. Here on Throw the Podcast, we offer our opinions on current events in the pro wrestling world that we think are the most entertaining from the current week of tapings. Jay will lend his expert analysis, and my opinions will surely piss a lot of you off as well. Now, remember, this is only the second episode of this podcast, and we are absolutely determined to be the absolute best in mediocre professional wrestling journalism. Before we get to some notes from Ron Smackdown, Jay, I want to say that our listener participation last week was so much better than I expected. Um, I want to thank those of you who submitted your feedback via the throwthex.com mailbag, um, as well as the questions that were submitted through Twitter at TTX Wrestling, um, which we'll get to shortly. Um, let's get this started, Jay. There was a pay-per-view on uh, Sunday, Hell in a Cell. There was, and I, you know what? I'm really excited for this episode because I'm really looking forward to you just heaping your praise on me for beating you taking the prediction championship and running with it um well <laughs> well as far as i i mean i counted uh i counted a tie um our picks our picks were the same for everybody who listened in week 1 all three of you can back me up our picks were the same up until the last match the the braun strowman roman reigns match yes if i'm not mistaken you had roman reigns Winning the match, I, I had Roman Reigns walking out with the belt. Is what I what I believe I said. We're gonna have to do a little playback of that. We're gonna have to do a little playback because the whole point of making predictions is you predict the winner of a given match. Okay, um, okay, okay, Ben, you're 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 talking semantics here. You're you're talking semantics. You picked Braun Strowman to be the champion. I picked Roman Reigns to be the champion. For those of you that seen that train wreck of a Raw, Roman Reigns is the champion. I might be talking semantics, sir, but you're talking to the guy that was 3-0 and 
going into Hell in a Cell. And, and uh, you know what? I'm drinking a double. So a little, a little, res- a little respect for the champion would be nice. It was a, it was a DQ, no contest. There was, there was no clear winner. So again, that's a tie, and I'll take the three zero and one. Um, I'll take the the, the Minnesota Green Bay uh, or Pittsburgh and Cleveland tie. Um, there's only a couple points I wanted to touch on in this pay-per-view. Um, I, I graded the pay-per-view a C. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Didn't like the ending. Um, didn't like the beginning. Like some parts in between. Um, it was average to me. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, first of all, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. One of my, f- uh, favorite feuds going on at the moment. I want to talk about the ending to that match. It was kind of a curveball with AJ Styles seemingly tapping out to Samoa Joe, um, but ultimately getting the the lucky win, if you will. Jay, any any thoughts on on that that swerve WWE threw out? Yeah, absolutely. I I thought it was great. I, I thought thought it was a great way to extend the feud. I mean, you really can't have AJ go over clean. Okay, you can't do it. Um, the feud would pretty much end right there. Might be a little too early to strap Joe, especially if you're trying to extend this a little longer. It was a fantastic ending to what I thought was a fantastic match. Now, I, I know you said the entire pay-per-view was a C for you. I grade these pay-per-views on kind of a, uh, a sliding scale. Okay, you got to remember, Hell in a Cell is actually what they used to call a B pay-per-view, okay? It's not one of the big ones. Uh, It's not one where anything's supposed to happen. So when I was sitting down watching Hell in a Cell, of course, you're going to have your your actual Hell in a Cell matches, you know, your Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Spot Fest, oh my God, can't believe he did it. But but the rest of the stuff is supposed to be kind of mundane. It's just kind of supposed to continue the storylines until the next week. And... I give this pay-per-view a B plus because it entertained me. Um, every match to me, almost every match to me was was very entertaining. Uh, you bring up the Styles match. You knew it was going to be a great match going in. I mean, these guys have so much history. Um, the Styles tap out right before the Joe pin, I thought was fantastic. It was, it was one of the things that nobody saw coming. Uh, me, everybody I talked to, nobody really thought of that and and i thought it was great that they did it and i i can't wait to see what they're going to do going forward with it we've we've seen the the tap out uh pin um at the same time before once or twice but it's it's the heels that win the lucky matches it's the heels that that tap um and in this case it was kind of reverse which which threw me off i liked it i thought it was creative I'm not sure I like the fact that AJ Styles tapped. I don't know if it borderline made him look weak. Um, I know it definitely made Joe look like a beast. I think WWE needs to be careful um, having a babyface champion seemingly tap out, um, especially the face of SmackDown and arguably the number two in the company behind Roman Reigns. But having said that, I'm glad... Creative did try something a bit new to end a match. Um, having the the baby face get lucky for once, um, and I can understand why they why they did it um, to set up the finale match at Down Under in Australia. You know, like he's ref, wrestling fans, they like to bitch a lot, and I'm no different. Um, 
So I make sure I give credit where it's due. And uh, I always enjoy a swerve, even if it doesn't get over as great as they expect it to. So good job, creative team. Uh, you threw one at me. I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Um, it, it, as far as this feud goes with Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, no, I just want to reiterate. I talked a lot about it last week. Samoa Joe is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world, period, regardless of what the PWI 500 says. No disrespect to Kenny Omega, but AJ Styles is the best wrestler on this planet at the moment. So the disqualifications that we've been seeing between these two don't bother me as much because these two are absolute just market equilibrium. You know, they're they're yin and yang. They're ebony and every. Um, I just honestly hope they fight forever. And, and you know what, Ben? You couldn't be more right. And and I was kind of uh, I was perplexed. OK, we were we were both on on Twitter during the actual hell in a cell. And, uh, you know, we were we were we were going back and forth with everybody. And I, I kept seeing different tweets from uh, different you know, wrestling personalities, if you were, if you will, during the match saying, oh, this is OK. You know, we've kind of seen this before. And, and me, I was watching the match and I'm like, are, are we watching the same thing right now? Because, you know, um, everybody built up, for instance, the uh, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura match. Uh, me and you were there live. We saw it at WrestleMania and us ourselves, we built it up like, oh, my God, this is going to be fantastic. And you know what? It, it didn't really deliver. It, it it was an OK match, but it was nothing that, you know, we were going to call home about. This match delivered throughout the entire match. I mean, they were going back and forth. They were beating the hell out of each other. And I thought it was great. Loved the ending. And I'm really excited to see, you know, the uh, the super showdown in Australia. I'm glad they did it the way they did because it adds intrigue to that match. You know, it's not, oh, AJ Styles already beat him in the past and Joe wind his way into getting one more match. And it's not AJ Styles, you know, drop the title for for a quick break before cashing in his rematch. You know, it, it gives a little something else. It gives Joe, especially Joe, it really gives him something to go off of because um, they did it with Roman Reigns. I mean, if you remember Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, when he when he speared him through the cage and technically Roman Reigns won, he, he was the first person to have both feet touch the ground. But they awarded it to Brock Lesnar because I don't know, he, his back hit the fence that was on the ground first, whatever, whatever their justification for it was. But they ran with that storyline for a really long time saying Roman Reigns saying, Hey, I am the true champion. I won that match. And you know what? I think they're going to do the same thing with Joe. I think it's going to play out great. And I think we're going to see another great match in Australia. Sure. I mean, and honestly, as much as we'd all love to see, you know, uh, seven star matches between these two. Uh, you got to remember And now seven star matches bring closure. Okay. I'm not ready for closure yet. You have to understand that WWE is setting themselves up for the future. It's a feud. The feud's not ready to end. We don't need a seven star match right off the bat. We need a, we need a four or five star match, four or five star match, two great guys delivering and, and, and telling a story in the ring then conclude it with a, with a phenomenal match. Give us some closure with a phenomenal match. But right now, we don't need that closure. I'm enjoying the storyline. I'm right there with you, Ben, and that's saying a lot. I mean, very rarely nowadays do I watch a uh, 
a a league, if you will, you know, raw SmackDown storyline. Say, hey, I'm I'm really enjoying following along, you know, because creative has been horrible lately, and uh, this is one that I am. You know, it's personal. Like both of us said during the Hell in a Cell podcast, um, this one's personal. Two people that have a lot of history together, two great wrestlers, and you know what? Can't wait to see the next one. Sure. On to the next. Um, from this pay-per-view, um, another big moment coming out of it was the uh, obviously the ending with the Brock Lesnar interference, which now we've learned on Raw is setting up the, the Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns triple threat in Australia. At Super Showdown, um, this caught me completely off guard, as I'm sure as I'm sure did most people. Now, before before Throw the X, most of you don't know this. Before Throw the X, I was working for another publication. My job was to specifically know these things, to say the least. I mean, the big returns, who was backstage, ringside, blah blah blah. It was always hard to be a fan and do all that work at the same time. So. That's why I have Jay. So, so Jay, Lesnar is eligible to return to the UFC in January of 2019. That's a fact. That's well known. My question to you is, is Lesnar still under contract or is he getting paid on a per show basis until he returns to uh, UFC? He is technically under contract to both companies. Um, So Vince McMahon and Dana White have kind of a... A working relationship, if you will, um, especially when it comes to Brock Lesnar. Okay, um, it it wasn't a fluke that Brock Lesnar happened to be spotted with Dana White when he was supposed to be on Raw and things like that. Okay, all that stuff is planned. Like you said, you know, your job was to know. Your job was to know what was going on backstage. Your job was to report on it. Things like that. Now, when when we worked for the other publication, um, we kept all of all of our same friends. I mean, we still know all these people, and that is what I loved about this match is I happen to be hanging out with two of them a few days before the pay-per-view. We are at the bar. I know you can't believe it, but we were at the bar, and we were going through Hell in a Cell. Not a single person that I talked to that is quote-unquote in the know knew that this was going to happen with Brock Lesnar. Okay, my phone blew up the day of Hell in a Cell with guys saying, oh, my God, you'll never guess who just showed up at the arena. Um, It kind of ruined it for me because, you know, of course, I read the text message. I found out who was there and I kind of put two and two together with what was going to happen. But it it, it was one of those amazing moments. He was signed last minute. Um, Word on the street is he is signed through Saudi Arabia. So expect the storyline to actually keep going in Australia. Um, he's going okay, to wrestle so through Saudi Arabia. Until, until November, November uh, 2nd, I believe. He's going to go through November. He's got his UFC bout in January, like you said, signed, sealed, delivered. Uh, UFC knows about it. WWE knows about it. WWE signed him to a pretty massive contract for what he's actually giving, which uh, as of right now is supposed to be through Saudi Arabia, and then he'll be done. He'll go do his UFC thing. Busy, busy man, uh, Lesnar is. Um, speaking of UFC, Jay, have you seen the? Uh, now this is way off subject, but have you seen the Joe Rogan podcast with Elon Musk? <laughs> if it's the one I'm uh, thinking holy... of, I might have seen a clip of it on the news recently. Was that I mean, the same it's, one? It's it's been all over the news. Elon Musk was smoking a a joint or a blunt. 
with Joe Rogan uh, drinking whiskey. I, I just I just thought about it talking about UFC. This Elon Musk guy is just absolutely gave me the creeps talking about living in simulations and and robots controlling the future and and just. I don't know. Anyways, if you haven't seen the podcast with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, I encourage you to YouTube it now. Um, well, not now. Wait till we're done with our with our episode here and then look it up. Moving on to SmackDown. Got that out of the way. My favorite feud. Never thought I'd, I'd actually say this. I'm not. I've never been too high on the women's division. I don't have anything against the women's division. Um, I just feel like up until recently, WWE has done very little to make the division interesting, um, you know, to say the least. I want to talk about Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Um, I want to talk specifically about their segment to end SmackDown with Becky Lynch's promo. Now, she surprises me in, in such an awesome way every time she picks up a microphone. Um, Tuesday night. Uh, her segment was no different. Now, Charlotte Flair holds her own, but Lynch has been nothing short of spectacular in her promos. Straight fire. Charlotte's great. Uh, she holds her own, but Lynch has been nothing short of spectacular in her promos. And it's not often I get excited, like I said earlier, it's not often I get excited for a women's division rivalry. Okay, but this is one that I I truly am excited for, and I can't wait to see where it goes. What about you, Jay? Thoughts on, thoughts on this? I mean, is Becky Lynch now? Uh, were you seeing her say three weeks ago, four weeks ago, a week ago? No, she is so far above and beyond. And you know, you hear it all the time. Like if you watch anything on the WWE Network, which you can get right now for nine ninety nine a month. If oh come on, come on, man, you, you get you got to shout them out. Joe Rogan doesn't even charge to watch his <laughs> podcast. But if, if you see any type of, uh, you know, interview or podcast or whatever uh, that happens on WWE Network, um, when people are talking about wrestlers that, that really make it, that, that, that really get over, they always say, hey, this is a person who took their personality and they just cranked it up to 11. Okay. And I think what you are seeing right now is exactly what is happening with Becky Lynch. I think deep down, she truly believes everything she's saying. Um, Not necessarily about the Charlotte Flair thing, because everybody knows really good friends and in real life, you know, outside of the ring and, and everything. But, but deep down, I mean, she has to believe that, Hey, I have always been in Charlotte Flair's shadow. I've, I've been in, you know, when this whole women, women's revolution, women's evolution thing happened, that, that she always had to take somewhat of a backseat to it. I mean, you can go back to her time in NXT when she was coming out, you know, wearing the uh, the, the, the little kilt deal that she had. And, and she was just the Irish lass. You know, she wasn't anything special. Um and, and her whole, whole evolution through NXT and then onto the main roster. Uh, yeah, she had a nice little run in SmackDown in the very beginning, but it, it was nothing to write home about. You know, she she's always taken a backseat to other female wrestlers. And I think now that they've kind of given her the torch and said, OK, hey, go do your thing, that she's just letting it all hang out. And you're right. The, I can't remember the last time me and you sat around and talked about a a women's feud and this one is fantastic now the match or 
I'm going to go back just to the, the, the Hell in a Cell really quick because it kind of leads into it. Um, the actual match, I think it was way too early to give Becky Lynch the title. Um, for those of you that listened to the first podcast, Ben brought up a great point. He said that um, Charlotte Flair should embrace her heritage, should go to the dirtiest player in the game, you know, keep kind of winning by fluke, if you will, to kind of drive Becky Lynch's character. Um, there were some rumors out there that they were going to do a double turn that Lynch was going to go face, Flair was going to go heel. Um, you know what? Honestly, it would have been too early for that, too. Uh, this is something that you could have played out a lot longer. You could have had Flair kept winning by fluke, Ben, as you said. Um, you know, Lynch kind of keeps getting screwed out of the title. Uh, to, to put it on her right away, I mean, to me, this is WWE doing their best Roman Reigns impression by saying, hey, Charlotte Flair is a face. We're going to force her on you as a face. You don't have a choice in this matter. And doing the same thing with Lynch. Lynch is, hey, Lynch is a heel. We're going to force her on you as a heel. You don't have a choice in the matter. And her winning the title and then kind of, you know, Flair going to shake her hand and and her just kind of raising the title on her face, screaming at her a little bit and walking away. To, to, to me, God, that just could have been so much better. But fast forward to SmackDown. Um, SmackDown's kind of the same thing. You got Lynch going full heel. You got Flair going full face. And both of them fantastic. But but Lynch really outshone Flair, in my opinion. You know, Lynch really brought it. And, and I thought it was one of the highlights of SmackDown. Yeah, you know, uh, Becky Lynch, I, I, see, I see shades of like uh, CM Punk. In, in Becky Lynch, she's, you know, when, when Punk was was with the Fed, it was like um, a constant shoot. You didn't know when kayfabe ended and real life started. I mean, it was kind of just the line was blurred. And I feel like that's what Becky Lynch is doing now. And she's doing an excellent job. I seen a, a sign out in the crowd on SmackDown. Uh, it was camera side just off to the right. Um over near the corner where the Spanish announcers would normally be, said, uh, Becky 316 just kicked your last. I thought that was a pretty cool sign. It was clever. Yeah, and, and, and um, very telling. But but she's doing a great job, and, and it, it's just good for the women's division. I want to touch on another uh, thing, including the, the women's division. Um, there was a lot of criticism I've been reading about uh, the fact that Evolution, which is the all-women's pay-per-view, um, October 28th. It comes three days before the Crown Jewel event in Saudi Arabia, uh, where obviously for political reasons, there will be no women featured anywhere on the card whatsoever. Um, and people are kind of are, are criticizing that. WWE being uh, hypocrites, uh, if you will. Uh, personally, I don't see this as hypocrisy on the side of WWE or a slap in the face to the women's division. Now, they could have scheduled this show in Saudi Arabia without having the Evolution pay-per-view at all. Now, they've got to expand. They have to go to different countries. Saudi Arabia is a growing market. Smart on WWE's part. Now, if they schedule a Saudi Arabia show without the women's pay-per-view having ever existed... I don't think people would have even thought twice about it. Now, coincidentally, the two shows are very close to one to one another. 
what three three four days apart, something like that. Sure, it looks bad, but I try to keep a, a positive point of view. I think you know I, I'm I'm glad to see the women are at a point where they're featured on their own pay per view. Um, it's definitely a great start. Uh, I really do have high hopes for this division um, and even higher expectations uh, in the near future. So I just wanted to say that I'm I'm happy for him. Let's move on. Um, more SmackDown. I thought SmackDown was a better show than Raw this week, as I do most weeks. Not as good as NXT. Now, another story coming out of SmackDown I want to talk about is uh, Aiden English turning on Rusev. Jay, this is one that I will give to you. You called this last week. And if you guys would have listened to last week's podcast, you would have heard Jay call exactly what happened on SmackDown. I've never been high up on Aiden English, you know, uh, but it looks like we're going to see him feud with Rusev for the foreseeable future, which is okay. I like Rusev. I think he's got a lot of potential Um, and he should come out of this feud looking strong and primed for hopefully another title run. I mean, don't forget the guy was United States champion for what, a year undefeated, something like that. I think it's time he, he gets another one. Um, and I think this is what it does. It's just going to build Rusev up, uh, keeps Aiden English in the picture. But at the same time, there's no way Rusev is coming out of this feud um, as the loser to Aiden English. And, am I right, Jay? I mean, I think we can all kind of agree on that. I mean, we. Oh, you're you're absolutely right. And, uh, you, you know, I think I think visionary is too strong of a word, but I did say this was going to happen two days earlier than what had actually happened. Um, you, you know what? Honestly, there you didn't need backstage news. You didn't need, you know, somebody in the know. Y- you could kind of see that it was leading to this. I mean, if you were to listen to our first our first podcast, I, I talked about how they've had more stops and starts in this particular storyline than than really I've I've seen in a very long time. You know, they they kept teasing the breakup and 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 Lana trying to get in between the two. And then they were all friends. And, you know, in the beginning, Lana was Russian and now she's not Russian anymore, except when she says Rusev. She's like semi-Russian. I, I know when she says Rusev, she's still Russian. But then Rusev. when she yeah, but then when she talks normal, she's she's back to having a normal, you know, normal accent. I, I don't get it, but but whatever. Um it, it kind of had to happen for the progression. I'm kind of glad they did it this way um, instead of turning Rusev heel on English and trying to, to push English as like the uh, the victim, you know, the, almost the face. Um, Rusev needs to stay face because he is so over. He is still over. Rusev Day is still over. It's been over for a very, very long time. And Ben, you're absolutely right. The only thing that they're using this for is for a stepping stone. Rusev is going to use English as a stepping stone, hopefully to bigger and better things. Um, he's still over. Great character. Um, if, if you've ever seen anything, Rusev kind of away from the ring, you know, hanging out with Lana and stuff, he, he actually seems like he's a really funny, you know, really decent guy. And, and I, I hope the best for him. I, I enjoy watching his work. I think he's a good wrestler. Um he, he had a rough patch there for a little bit, but but he came in as a monster. You're right. He came in undefeated. You know, he's feuding with John Cena, you know, flag matches and all that that crap that they were doing back then. And uh, after that, they, they just kind of lost track of him. You know, he just kind of wandered around for a little bit. And I, I think they're trying to get him back on track. I think you're going to see a lot from him here in the future. 
this is just the first step they had to kind of take in order to get it going. And, you know, maybe sometime in the near future, we'll see him as the number one contender for the WWE championship on SmackDown. Um, But one thing I do know is in Australia next month, we will have a number one contender to the WWE championship. And that person will either be the Miz or Daniel Bryan. Who's it going to be, Jay? I, you know, last week on the pod, I, I talked, I talked for must have been hours about this feud. I love it, and I and I said, I said the Miz had to win. I keep saying the Miz has to win, and I'm not straying from that ideology. The Miz has to keep winning. The, it just does so much more for the Miz than it hurts Daniel Bryan at this point. And and you're stupid and. This entire match I'm not is stupid. stupid. Yes, yes, you are. I'm not. If if I'm stupid, then why is WWE agreeing with? Never mind. I won't even. <laughs> I won't, forget. I even said anything. You, you want to compare yourself to WWE creative? Well done. Okay, so uh, Miz and Daniel Bryan. Miz, of course, beats Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. You get a match going. You know, Miz and Maurice. You know, Bryan and and Brie Bella. He loses again, okay? And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to give Brian a third chance. Dude, he's lost two straight. He's lost two straight to The Miz. You wanted to give him another chance? Like, they knew this match was going to happen. What you do is you have The Miz win the first one. You have Brian win the second one. Now you have a rubber match to determine the number one contender. Okay, so what's going to happen in the next one? Either you have Miz wins, which means that the, all the rumors about Brian's contract being all but done are false, and he's going somewhere else. Or you have Daniel Bryan win, and the Miz can turn around and say, hey, I beat this guy twice. He's only beat me once. Why the hell is he getting the match? And I'm out. I mean, God, with WWE Creative, maybe that's what they're setting up. Maybe they're going to do a triple threat. Um I think it'd be horrible. I think you need to have Daniel Bryan win this match. I think you need to ha- give him a main event match. Is he wrestling like he used to be? No. Can you wrestle? Can he wrestle like that with his injuries and, and you know, the, the, the concussions and hit them trying to protect him a little bit? No. But is he still entertaining as hell? Absolutely. Is he still over as hell? Absolutely. Um, say what you want about The Miz. And Ben, you know I love me some Miz. Ben. Oh, everybody loves him some Miz. You know, I mean, how can you not? You can't put Miz in a championship match. It can't happen. Not right now. It's got to be Daniel Bryan. Give me Daniel Bryan for the win. I know we're not doing our predictions right now, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go back to this podcast to quote it when we do our predictions here pretty soon. Okay. I, you know, agree to disagree. I, I, I like to put the Miz over always, uh, no matter who it's against. I may be a little biased. I love me some Miz. He's awesome. Um but, you know, no matter what the outcome of this particular match is, you know, they say a Rolling Stone gathers no moss. Keep them both involved in upper mid card or main event storylines. They'll both be fine. Um, but right now, this feud, the the one-upsmanship, um, is sort of like, dare I say it, Jay, double napalm. Was it? Did I, did I use that right? You know what? I'm going to give this one to you. It's a fantastic year, by the way. We're going to end it on double napalm, and I want to talk about a little bit of Raw right now. Wait, Ben, before Um, you get into Raw, I got to ask a favor. 
could we spend as little time as possible on Raw? Because it was horrible. I promise we will. I promise we will. Um, There are two quick things I want to talk about on Raw. And Jay, I'm going to let you go first. I want to talk about the uh, Triple H um, and Shawn Michaels. uh, Or I should say Triple H first, The Undertaker. Uh, Triple H with Shawn Michaels in his corner and Kane is in the Undertaker's corner, as we learned on Raw. Uh, That match will take place in Australia. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about this rumored match with HBK. And it's only a rumor, but I want to talk a little bit about it. Get your get your thoughts about HBK coming out of retirement at uh, Crown Jewel on November 2nd uh, for a HBK, Triple H versus Undertaker and Kane, uh, Brothers of Destruction match. Start us off. What are your thoughts? Ben, they're going to do it. Um, I, I swore to God that it wasn't going to happen, that HBK was not going to come out of retirement for a freaking tag team match. Um, when we were sitting around, Thomas Fenton, shout out, and he brought it up and said, hey, you guys here? This is what they're planning on doing, you know, a couple weeks ago. I said, hell no. There is no way that they're planning on doing this. Then HBK had his promo. You know, he came out to talk about the match. Taker came out, kind of insulted him, saying, hey, you can't even wrestle anymore, bruh. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he said. No, that's exactly what he said. It sounded just like him. Thank you. And, uh, you know, HBK kind of left looking a little pissed off, like, hey, man, I can still do it. I could do it if I wanted to. And... um now you got H, you know, Undertaker came out and said, hey, I know HBK is going to be in Triple H's corner. I got my brother in my corner. There is no other logical conclusion to draw other than you are going to get Triple H and HBK in a tag team match with the Brothers of Destruction, Kane and The Undertaker at Crown Jewel. OK, now a couple of weeks ago when they had The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels face to face on Raw, and they were kind of teasing Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement. Undertaker said, you'll never do it, blah, blah, blah. I retired you. You're never, you'll never beat me, blah, blah. You know, I thought, okay, it's just giving the fans something to kind of, you know, get people excited about. Not actually going to happen. Um, and if it does happen, maybe, you know, a, a, a Hunter or a, a HBK, Daniel Bryan, maybe AJ Styles, one-off match, something like that. But then this past week on Raw, when Undertaker says HBK is going to be in Hunter's corner and Kane is going to be in my corner, I looked at the TV and I said, why? Because I knew right then and there what that meant. They're really going to do it. Why? I have so many life questions that have gone unanswered for so long. I mean... Why did Judge Doom kill Marvin Acme and frame Roger Rabbit? We'll never know. Here's one, Jay. Why does Large Marge from Pee-wee's Big Adventure still haunt my dreams? <laughs> but this one? This one? Why? I don't get it. If HBK is going to come out of retirement, it's going to be one of the biggest moments in WWE history. Use it to your full advantage. Prop up a younger talent. Or give us all a damn dream match. And no offense, but leave Kane out of it. Kane got a bigger pop when Undertaker said his name when he wasn't even there than he's gotten in the last eight years. 
Am I wrong? You're absolutely right. And and Ben, I don't think that the WWE had a choice. I, I think it was pretty much HBK saying, hey, I can't do it. I can't do it at this age. And them saying, okay, how about this? How about a tag team match? And him humming and hawing about it and then finally saying, okay, if the if the money's right, I can do a tag team match. You know, uh, same thing with Taker. You got to remember, Taker's not 100%. I mean, then he's going to go through that match with Triple H and, you know, he's going to have to rebound a, a month or so later. Another hip surgery or two, right? Yeah, sure. as much as I, and I believe that we talked, I don't think it was on the podcast, but I think me and you talked about this in one of the previous uh, uh, predictions pages over at throwthex.com. But nice plug, nice plug. Did you guys hear that? Throwthex.com. Exactly. And, and HBK versus Daniel Bryan, dream match. HBK versus AJ Styles, dream match. Can HBK keep up with either of those at this point? I, I highly doubt it. The guy hasn't been in the would ring he, in how long? Would he have to, Jay? I mean, honestly, you know you're not getting the HBK of old, the HBK of the early 2000s. The HBK of the mid-2000s, oh, oh, for that matter. Okay, let me, you're getting a nostalgic match. You're getting a dream match. Something that we just want to see. Doesn't matter if it's the best in-ring uh, uh, athleticism. I mean, HBK is, is 52 years old, 53 years old. By WrestleMania. I don't need to see that five star match. I just want to see HBK in the ring again. So let me let me let me give you a different analogy, okay? Um Ben, you're born in Detroit. Correct? Yes, proud of it. Okay, yes. born in Detroit, you live in Phoenix. Uh you still follow the Lions? Absolutely. Okay. Um I happen to know because of one drunken argument we had at a bar that Barry Sanders is one of your all time favorite players, right? Uh, all-time favorite player, best player to ever uh, pick up a football. Yes. Beautiful. So continue. So Barry Sanders, they talk him to coming out of retirement for one game. You as a fan, knowing that Barry Sanders hasn't played football in forever, that that he's aged, that he's not going to be the Barry Sanders of old, wouldn't you still love to see him strap it on one more time? Even though you know you're not getting the old Barry Sanders, you would still love to see Barry Sanders throw on a Lions jersey and go out there one more time. I sure would. Now, I don't care if it's to go out there and kick a field goal. Barry Sanders, knowing that he was the best to ever do it. Barry Sanders retiring, knowing that he was the greatest running back, maybe Walter Payton, but greatest running back in history. Do you think Barry Sanders would want to go out there knowing that he could only give he's only a fraction of the person that he still is? The answer is no here, Ben. I'm going to help you out. The answer is no, but you know. You're right. I mean, call it what you will. It's but but my point is, if it's going to happen and and let's say Shawn Michaels knows it's going to happen, it's different because then the question becomes not if it's going to happen or not, but who does it happen against? Okay, that's my point. Who does it happen against? He already had a a perfectly set up feud with Daniel Bryan. If he's going to come out of retirement. okay. Tag team match. You got it, buddy. We'll throw you a nice paycheck. You only have to work half the match. Couple spots here and there. You know, he still looks like he's in shape. He still looks like he can go. I mean, he's not going to be a a zombie out there. But, you know, I think it's just... the Being at WrestleMania last year and seeing the, the last, God, three or four, five maybe of Undertaker's matches... 
he can't go. I'm sorry. Love the dead man. But he can't go either. You know, I want to see superstars on the other side of HBK that can pick him up and, and take him another notch up. And I think those two superstars are Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. I mean, who else would it be? Ben, I'm with you. All I'm saying is I get it. Like, I understand why they do. Don't drop the ball on this one, WWE. Do not, please. I mean, obviously, this is not set in stone. Just please do not drop the ball on this one. I am begging you. On to the next feud or feuds, I should say. I want to talk about a couple members of The Shield, the Hounds of Justice, and I want to talk about a couple uh, dogs of, what do, what do I call them? Dogs of Destruction? Dogs of War? You call them Dogs of Destruction. Their actual name is Dogs of War. And, and you say their actual name is Dogs of War. I think Braun Strowman may have said that one time. They said it during, all of a sudden, the announce team said it a bunch during Hell in a Cell. Really? They did. Okay, well, I... We're drinking a lot. I, term, I was drinking a lot, and to be honest with you, I filter out the announce team other than Corey Graves um, and Renee Young lately because they're the only two worth listening to. McIntyre goes over Ambrose. Good. He needed to go over Ambrose. Build him up. McIntyre is your your next big thing in WWE. Then later on, Ziggler loses to Seth Rollins. Mind you, it was a championship match. Uh, you didn't want to strap Dolph Ziggler um, with the Intercontinental Intercontinental. I'm sorry, championship, which is okay. But the match was short. He lost clean. He was curb stomped. Um. And not only was he was he curb stomped, but Rollins kind of wasted a lot of time covering him up for the pin and still got the three count. I mean, those are situations where a superstar uses their finishing move, lays on their back for five seconds, and then goes for the cover. And you say, okay, well, that gave the other guy time to recover. He's going to kick out, obviously. Ziggler didn't. Made Ziggler look a little weak, especially... Considering earlier in the night, Drew McIntyre went over. Um, is this? I mean, is this the right thing to do to Dolph Ziggler? I mean, it's obviously the right thing to do with Drew McIntyre, but burying. I mean, is it? Would you call that burying? Is that a too strong of a word? I, I think. Are, you, are we burying Ziggler? I think it is too strong of a word, and um, I think WWE might have done something very interesting. Um, number one. To get it out of the way, they left themselves an out uh, before the Ziggler Rollins match. You know, they they pointed out the fact that both Ziggler and Rollins were beat to hell, and neither one of them should be wrestling, and they're going to have to, you know, drag their carcasses to the ring and get it done anyway. So, even if nothing comes of this, you know, it wasn't supposed to be a quote unquote real match. You know, Ziggler can say, "Hey, I, you know, I was beat to hell. There's no way I could wrestle that match." Rollins can say the same thing. But the thing I love is they leave it wide open, okay? Um, you could go, so McIntyre goes over Ambrose, uh, Ziggler loses. You could start the breakup with that, okay? You could, you could continue having McIntyre going over in his one-on-one matches, Ziggler losing his one-on-one matches. McIntyre figures out that he's better off without Ziggler, kicks him in the face. You got your top heel back. Or you could go the other way. You could go... Ambrose loses, right? Seth Rollins keeps winning, right? What have we been hearing forever? 
the shield when they break up this time is going to be Ambrose. Okay, everybody's saying it. You, you've heard it from us. You've heard it from other people. This could start that also. You know, Ambrose loses a bunch. Rollins wins a bunch. Rollins is a champion. Ambrose isn't. Starts to break up with that. Um, do we know if either of those things is going to happen? No. Um, this just could have been a, hey, we need to put on a couple matches. Can you guys wrestle each other really quick kind of deal? I mean, I don't think WWE is playing ahead. I mean, God knows why would they do that, right? Right. I, you know, it's so early. I think we're, we may be looking a little bit too far into it. But right this moment, I don't I don't want to look any more into it than we already have. As a matter of fact, I don't want to look into any more of Monday Night Raw. We've been on that subject for too long. Raw was bad. Um, you know, it, I, I'm not one to constantly bash. Um, too many people out there do it. Too many wrestling news publications do it. I'm not one of them guys. But this week, they, they took their licks. It was bad. Uh, it was a D show. Um, now, before we go, we had some questions submitted on Twitter at TTX Wrestling. Um, we had two questions submitted after our first podcast last week, which I thought was great. Didn't think we'd get any. Um, and one of them was submitted by yours truly. So, Jay, I'm going to ask you three questions. I didn't share these questions with you beforehand because I like to get your your honest Raw off the cuff answers, and, and I like um, how how you waited until I was done with my napalm beer to actually ask me these questions. Well, why do you think I waited? Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was double napalm, by the way, right? That wasn't just napalm. You're damn right, it was double napalm. Um, <laughs> okay, Jake. Question number one: Who will be the next call up from NXT? And I took this question as number one. Because I love me some NXT, baby. Bring on the NXT, baby. Who will be the next call-up from NXT to the main roster? Okay. Um, was this was this a submitted question or was this a question that you had? No, this was this question was submitted. Okay, a submitted question. So I'm, I'm going to give you two yeah. answers. And I, I'm not 100% sure because I, I can't get his his thought behind this, but if he's going for who is next in line is in who WWE is getting ready to call up. Uh, the answer to that is Velveteen dream. We've been hearing about it for a while. I don't know if, if the whole tights thing kind of pushed him back a little bit, but WWE was uh, for those of you, I'm going to cut you off, Jay. For those of you who don't know what Jay's talking about, the, the tights incident uh, happened at NXT TakeOver uh, the night before SummerSlam in Brooklyn. Uh, Velveteen Dream's tights said, call me up Vince. It had uh, call me up Vince airbrushed on the back of his tights. That's what Jay's talking about. Go ahead, Jay. Exactly. And um, they're really high up on him. Uh, they love his character. Um, he's playing almost a... Uh, I don't know what you call it, a pansexual character type deal. Um, yeah, he's just very, uh, What I mean, just uh, kind of uh, flamboyantly. Yeah, I mean. Just colorful, just uh, smooth. I don't know. Absolutely. Just hey, hey, man. very entertaining to yeah, watch. Yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> it's, like it's entertaining as hell. And, and the yeah. WWE agrees with it, and they want it up. Um I think it's the wrong move. Uh, you got to remember, this guy's only been wrestling a couple of years. Okay, this isn't an indie darling that came to NXT. This is a homegrown talent uh, that WWE cultivated. Um, is he putting on amazing matches? Absolutely. Who's he putting mm-hmm. on those amazing matches with? 
he's putting him on with, uh, you know, the, the ricochets, the Adam Coles. Of course, he's putting I could put on a great match with one of those two. OK, who knows what he's going to look like when he gets to the main roster and he doesn't have that type of talent in the ring to work with. Um, he can't wrestle AJ Styles every night. It can't happen. OK, sooner or later, he's going to run into, you know, Victor or, or some crap like that. Uh, and and I think his greenness is going to show. Second second part to that question, who do I think should be called up for NXT? Uh, it's got to be. What did what did you what were you telling me last week? The 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 person that should be called up from NXT. I think you told me no one. Didn't you tell me absolutely no one should be called up from NXT? It is a death trap waiting to happen. It, okay, look, if you're going strictly off my opinion, anybody that is currently in NXT, the second that they tell them they're going to Raw or SmackDown, should say, "Hey, thanks, no thanks. I'm going to hang out down here." Okay, because uh, who are your top guys in NXT? Uh, yeah, Velveteen. You got Adam Cole. Well, the whole Undisputed Era. You got Ricochet. I mean, there's. I mean, a lot of them. I like them all. I don't have. I don't have a problem with any WWE or uh, NXT talent. The reoccurring at the theme moment. with all of their best talent. They're all smaller guys. Okay, minus Velveteen. Velveteen's a pretty big boy. Uh, the rest he of them, a big boy. The rest of them are pretty tiny. Now, um, who do I think should be called up if there had to be a call up? It would be Undisputed Era. It'd be every single one of them. Do I have any faith that WWE is going to push them properly? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I'll take that a step further. I believe Johnny Gargano, who puts on the past year some of the best matches I've ever seen. Gargano, absolutely. You're going to champ Okay. You're going to see Gargano on 205 Live. I will bet you because WWE doesn't have any faith in smaller guys. Champa, right. same deal. Fantastic heel. It would work on the main roster. Do you trust WWE to use them correctly? Not me. No. Okay. No. So to sum it up really quick, because I know we're running out of time, uh, who's going to get called up first? As of when did I talk to him? Two weeks ago, it was Velveteen Dream. Um, who do I think it should be? Should be the entire Undisputed Era. Okay. Um, then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, we got one concerning Brock Lesnar. Will Lesnar's last match be at the Triple Threat at Super Showdown, it's two part question. Uh, and what's next for Paul Heyman? Okay, awesome. Well, well, we kind of already answered this one. Uh, Lesnar is signed through Saudi Arabia, so no, you're going to see him at Super Showdown. You're going to see him at Saudi Arabia. Um, they did that because he's, you know, a big money draw, big ticket seller. You're going back to Saudi Arabia. They they wanted to bring something special there. That special thing that they're bringing is Brock Lesnar. So you're going to see him again. Um, Paul Heyman is not going to do anything. I hate to say it. Paul Heyman is tied to Brock Lesnar. Uh, ben, me and you talked about it. Uh, once again, I don't know if it's last podcast or on one of our other segments on throwthex.com. We talked about it. Who would benefit from Paul Heyman's help? Um, there's a lot of names out there. You know, there's Ronda Rousey uh, is an easy one to, to throw in the hat. I don't think WWE is going to do anything. I, I think Paul Heyman is only going to be with Brock Lesnar. They're not going to end up putting him with anybody else. When Brock Lesnar goes away, you might see Paul Heyman on a, another episode here or there, but I don't think you're going to see him as a full-time personality anymore. Okay. Um, good answer. This is not one that I I really want to know the answer to. Um, I'm curious to know. Now, I, I know Kane, Kane was just elected um, 
mayor of Knox, uh, Tennessee. Um, Kane, uh, his real name is Glenn Jacobs, uh, Mayor Knox, Tennessee. Now, how is it possible for him to remain on the WWE roster while he's in public office? I mean, this is something that we've never seen before. I mean, not even, you know, with Jesse Ventura. Uh, that, that is actually a great question. Um, my answer to that would be, like, I don't know the specifics. Um, I can tell you that Glenn Jacobs, Kane, is not a member of the active roster. Uh, they're bringing him back for a one shot, uh, basically him to do this whole Undertaker thing, and then he's going to go back. Um, ben, I don't know if you heard, but it just so happens right around the time that this was announced, the WWE made a donation. It was, uh, I want to say, I think it was $100,000 to uh, Knox, Tennessee. There, uh, It was like their firefighter, police, and EMT survivor fund. So basically, like, a, like if a police officer gets killed in the line of duty, this is the organization that steps up, helps out their family. Same thing with firefighters. Uh, so I think that's the trade-off. Um, I I don't know how it works. Like, for instance, is Kane, is Glenn allowed to actually earn any money from the WWE while he's still in office? That might be a conflict of interest. Uh, so maybe he's kind of doing it as a favor to Vince. And then Vince saying, hey, thanks for helping me out. I'm going to help out the city of, of Knox, Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. Good for him, too. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's what it is. Good for Knox, Tennessee. Um, good for Vince doing it. I think it's a great gesture, and I think it works really well for Kane. Um, you know, Kane says, hey, I'm going to be gone a couple days, but I've been mayor. I'm not even technically mayor yet. I don't even think he's been sworn in yet, has he? Um, I don't think so. Without looking months, it up, I, yeah, I don't think he's been sworn in yet. So he's, he, he can say stuff like, look, True. I'm not even mayor yet. I already doubled the, you know, the operating budget of this charity. I I think it's great for all parties involved. As long as Kane doesn't become an active roster, you don't see him on every Raw. You know, he's as long as he gets kind of the Lesnar treatment. You know, one um, one promo on Raw, you know, and then he shows up for his match. Maybe one promo after, and he's done. Uh, yes, and at this uh, show in Australia, I pray to God we hear at least one Mayor Kane chant. You know, it's gonna right? happen. Wouldn't that be awesome, Mayor Kane? I mean, maybe maybe Australia is not the place for that to happen. I don't know if any of them are into American politics. Um, I, you know, who knows if they even if they even know that Kane ran for mayor. But bring him out in a show in the United States. I guarantee you hear at least one Mayor Kane chant. It's going to be awesome. I, you know what, Ben? You're right. I can't wait. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, you, ans- you answered that perfectly, Jay. We're coming up on an hour. So that means we are about... Out of time for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Check us out on Twitter at TTX Wrestling and follow, follow the buzzards, people. Now play me some damn music to send me off, baby. Thank you. Now soak it in, Jay. Throw the damn ass.